question on earth. They grew up and think a job, money, boyfriend, and a house will make them happy, he said. But then they realize they are empty inside. He said mostly women realize their emptiness. Men are slow to notice the void. They come here because we have God, he said. In the evening, I went to a hole in the wall called the Juice House. A tiny window looked out over the river and toward the twinkling lights from small houses and ashrams on the other shore. Electronic music competed to be heard over the blenders. I sat on the bench next to a girl, brown curls careened down the sides of her pale face. She stared intently at the wall as she absentmindedly spooned lassie topped with coconut and pomegranate seeds into her mouth. She told me that she'd spent the past three months doing nothing but thinking. People are so afraid of change, she said, right? She turned and looked at me with big hypnotic eyes. They are afraid to take off their comfy slippers, isn't it, she said. She wore flowered pants with a striped shirt. I wondered if she was doing that on purpose, despite the West and our standards of matching. I noticed her nose piercing, the gauzy scarf around her neck and the ohm symbol tattooed on her hand. Those were telling symbols of someone on the search. When I asked, she squinted, but then her face softened into a smile. No, I'm trying to lose myself, she said. What does that mean exactly, I asked. The self is the ego. That's what we're trying to lose she said. You want to find who is behind that, the true you. Well, it's not a person, you see. It's an essence. It's the truth. That still sounds like you're trying to find yourself, I said, hugging the wall so that a group of backpackers could exit. I suppose they can mean the same thing, she said. Find yourself, lose yourself. It's two different ways of looking at the same thing. I soon learned that my new acquaintance was 35 years old and used to be a hairdresser in London. Her name was Alexandra back then, but since she's moved to India, she's changed it to Karuna. Her old name, she informed me, tethers her to the her she was in her former life. So why do you think you could find yourself here, I asked. Back home I was in this rat race, she said. I worked all these hours, then I'd feel depressed and stressed because I worked so much. So then I'd go to the pub afterward to unwind and I'd end up spending more than half the money. There's no quality there. She said that here she could spend her days studying and meditating. I don't have to judge my life off of society's markers of success, she said. I asked her about serious things like 401ks and how, since she's jobless, she will support herself as she ages. When you follow this path, you need less and less, she said. So when I'm older, I'll just need a tree to look at in the sky. Really? Just one tree? That's my hope, she said. I couldn't help but imagine what the world would look like if everyone had found themselves. We'd all be seated on the ground, staring up at branches. When I started back to my guest house, it was late. A local guy stopped on his motorcycle and said, You shouldn't be walking alone at this time of night, and then offered me a ride. I gladly hopped on the back. The bike revved up, and for a moment I felt relieved. But then he asked, Are you here alone? Of course not, I said. I've got lots of friends. I'm a terrible liar. It was less than a minute later that he stopped the bike in the middle of the path. No one was around, pitch dark. I got off the bike quickly, but he managed to grab my arm. My heart threw a fit. The only sound was the gravel under my feet and the blood thumping in my ears. That's it. Life would never be the same. I could even see the headline. In a tragic turn, girl finding people who are looking for themselves loses own life. But then it turned into the twilight zone. Give me a hug, he shouted. His voice was deep and stern. I pulled away and then stepped back about five feet. 
He was standing upright, straddling his bike. I was terrified, yet perplexed. I also kind of wanted to laugh. Did I hear him right? Then he ordered me again, give me a hug. He did not take a step toward me. I stared at him for a moment and then ran away. The next morning, I went to a small eatery called The Office and drank chai on the balcony. A sadhu, a holy man, sat beside me. He was wrapped in the traditional saffron-colored robes and had dreads the size of my wrists cascading down his back. I'd love to learn about your life here, I began. He slowly turned toward me. Life, he said. Good life. Then he slowly turned away from me. While there, I also met Bruce, a gruff and stocky bricklayer from Perth, Australia. He splayed out his hand so that he could back up his claimed occupation with his calluses. I believed you, I said. I'd just like to show them off, he said. The 50th.